You know it's time to do it major. Here's to the hustlers, the movers and shakers. Get up on your grind. Don't let the haters get ya. I know that you got a vision. Now it's time to deliver. Yeah, yeah. Giving you the tools, helping you to grow. Level up, time to shine like you never did before. Let them know. More than a podcast, it's a mindset. You can do anything, you just gotta keep grinding. Let's go. The Entrepreneur Adventure. Hey, the entrepreneur adventure. You ready? If I wanted to grow kind of at the pace I wanted to grow, the franchise model was how I I knew I had to do it, one. But two, I love the franchise model. Just with, I, I truly believe in local ownership, and I, I believe the closer you are to your team and to your guests and, the, and how tied in you are with the local community, um, that goes a lot further than, um, you know, the brand itself. So that's why I've always believed in local ownership and, and the franchise model. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, where we give you the tools to turn pizza into a franchise. Please welcome our guest for today, Mr. Drew French, founder of Your Pie here in our very own Athens, Georgia. Drew's going to walk us through the story of Your Pie and what it took to turn fast casual pizza into a successful franchise. And with that, I'll turn it over to our hosts, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. Welcome entrepreneurs. We're back to an exciting edition of the Entrepreneur Adventure podcast. Today, we got a local Athens guy. Who doesn't love pizza? Who doesn't love talking about turning businesses into franchises? We're going to do both of those today. I'd like to welcome our guest, Drew French. Welcome to the podcast, man. All right, thanks for having me, Chad. It um today's a little different. Uh, Josh and I are usually in the studio together, but uh, we're all uh, even though you're in Athens, uh, I am traveling this week, so I'm coming to you all as the host from Nantucket. This is a little different. Feels a little different. Um, Josh, you're in the studio there holding down the co-host role. Appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, man. I, hey, Chad, I really feel like this is the first time that you've been able to be the host of the podcast because you're like our host for the, for the northern half of the country, and I'm the southern the southern host. So uh, that's cool, man. You can be the host all you want to so in Massachusetts or New Hampshire or Rhode Island, wherever the heck you are. And all of our listeners there can reach out to you. Chad at SerialCFO.com. Y'all hit him up. And so this is funny, uh, Drew, just, I'm trying to think, I don't know exactly when we met, but it, it had been before 2010 for sure. But in 2011, January of 2011, there was a local you know, group here in Athens called the Young Professional Network. And I'd kind of taken it over right at that. And so I was like, all right, I got to pitch this thing and like make it something big. So I put out this like ad that said this January YPN, there might've been February. It was the first one of the year whenever we were doing it. I was like, it will be the biggest networking gathering of the decade well it was the first one of the decade because it was 2011 so i was like I, you know yeah. there's five people there's 50 people but we we you were the speaker drew and we we did it at your downtown location at your pie i don't know how many like how many how many uh different stores did you guys have in 2011 like three to five it was a small amount yeah, of we were, right? yeah we probably had five locations at that time we opened in 2008 and then started growing in 2010 past the original location. I think I remember that event. It was packed and got rowdy. <laughs> Dude, you, were the, you were the speaker, man. It was great. I was like, Drew French is our speaker. It's going to be the biggest YPN 
of the decade. And like we did, we had like 75 people packed into the, that downtown location. It was like, oh my God, there's so many people. Uh, it felt like there was yeah. a thousand, but it was awesome, man. So that was like, I think the first time I actually probably talked to you on a more consistent basis, but I obviously knew of you before then. And it's cool to see again, like how many locations do you guys have now? We have 75 today uh, in 18 states. So back then, I guess we had probably five in, in Georgia, but we've been growing um, over the last few years. Yeah, so it's a little different today than it was 10 years ago when, when we had you as the keynote speaker for a, uh, for a YPN in Athens. But, man, that's the great the, the question, I guess, of the, of the day is so many people do have that idea like hey, i want to start a franchise and so we want to hear your story man because you've done it you got 75 locations in 18 states uh you have a growing company you're living to tell the story of how you actually did it so kick us off man let us know like well, did, did you come from like family lineage in the restaurant business bunch of entrepreneurs like where did you start out and how did you start the your pie franchise sure well, i uh i was gonna tell chad bring some seafood down we'll make some seafood pizzas or something <laughs> hey uh, done I, I plan on trying to, to do that anyway so this is this is the craziest thing about rhode island and nantucket uh, where we visited so far the lobster is cheaper than the shrimp, the shrimp <laughs> like five dollars a piece and you can get a whole lobster for like 10 bucks I'm like, this is like the most amazing thing ever <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing um well yeah so back to why i franchise or why i thought of doing a franchise, it, it really dated back um, to my childhood. I I didn't grow grow up with um, family in the restaurant industry. I just kind of fell into that out of a love for cooking, and started working in restaurants at an early age. Um, and I just so happened that one of one of the first jobs I had was in a franchise model. So you guys have probably all heard of Jersey Mike Subs. I uh, I made subs for them at my local uh, franchise. Uh, sub shop and the owner there just I started realizing that it was more than just his sub shop um, his name was Mike but he didn't he wasn't Jersey Mike and uh, so I started being like I, he started telling me like oh there's this corporate thing you know that comes down and supports me but then it's my business and I just kind of thought it was a cool cool idea you know I'd heard of McDonald's was a franchise but didn't really know what that meant um, you know, back when I was 14, 15, getting my start in the industry. Um, so I really just, from that day, always wanted to open a restaurant. I was one of those weird kids that knew what he wanted to do at an early age. Um, I did come from a family of entrepreneurs, I'd say, that were very supportive of me kind of having this, this stupid idea of opening a restaurant. Um, but Went through uh, college, all that, with still kind of just developing different ideas, different concepts, and uh, ended up marrying my high school sweetheart, Natalie, who uh, is Italian. And on our honeymoon, you guys can't see this, but I got a, the background is the island of Ischia. Um, it's an island off the coast of Naples in Italy, which most people probably heard of, but that's really ground zero of, of pizza um, in the world. And where I got inspired to, um, kind of do your pie the way that we're doing your pie with bringing that Italian um, culture of food and family kind of back to at the time Athens um, and, and really just growing it from there um, but we were we were pretty young we were uh, 22 
two when we got married because we were high school sweethearts on that honeymoon. We were living in Atlanta at the time, um, decided to move back to Athens uh, where we, we both graduated. Um, go dogs for any non-dog fans on this podcast. Uh, but Natalie uh, wanted to come back to go back to veterinary school, get her second degree there. And I had this this dream for your pie. Um, so we uh, we moved back to Athens without having jobs, um, and uh, both kind of went after our our dreams. Um, so I guess the question why I franchise or why I, I did one I, I grew up. Hold on, sorry, for, I guess, hold on for a second now. Yeah, new marriage, new town, new major for her. And completely new business, all at the same time, man. That is like the, one of the craziest things uh, I've ever heard. Uh, that takes a lot of courage. Is that something like y'all like had, had planned, and both of you were had prepared for for a while, or is it like, hey, what do we got to lose? Let's just go do it, and make it happen. Yeah, no. I mean, Natalie always wanted to be a vet. She grew up uh, loving loving animals. That was her major, and at Georgia it was. Um, animal science. So that was kind of her dream. And my dream was always to open up a restaurant. Um, and so we were kind of just, well, where, where can we both live our dreams? You know, Athens, there's only, I think, 13 vet schools. I'm probably misquoting this pretty bad. But so we looked at kind of all the different areas of the, the country that had vet schools and um, we just thought Athens checked checked all the boxes. We we loved our time here and loved the town and uh, you know thought that this could be a a great place to 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 jump in. Awesome. And this was, if my timeline's correct, this was oh seven oh eight. So not the greatest time in our generation to be coming out of the ground with new business. Sure. Yeah. We we moved back here in oh seven and uh, did the. I actually worked for UGA uh, for a time while we were getting your pie gone. And then while uh, um, Natalie was starting vet school and uh, that was uh, an interesting time to try and get a business launched. Uh, Like you said, the 2008 um, recession, I guess you would call it that still um, was happening right at that time when I opened and, you know, back up a step you know how how do you open up a restaurant at 23 or 24 however old i was um you know banks and traditional methods kind of looked at my business plan looked at me you know i didn't have really anything to go off of other than some experience working for others um so they all kind of laughed at me so i did have to go a more non-traditional route Uh, you asked about the family like my family put me in business I went to them with my business plan and they were always supportive um, and loaned us the money to get the first store going. And um, we had to be creative throughout the years um, for growth. And one of those ways is franchising. I mean, we didn't um, come out there with a huge, you know, trust fund or some, you know, I wasn't a big company launching a brand with, with a big set of resources behind it. It was literally um, a lot of blood, blood, sweat, and tears in the beginning. And, and even to, to the day, as you guys know, running a, running a small business. Oh yeah. Especially with that. I mean, it's blood, sweat, and tears anyway, but with that massive growth and deciding to franchise, I, did you, when you were starting that first restaurant, were you already on the mindset? Okay. 
we got to build the systems and build the manuals and everything so we can replicate this or was it just survival in the beginning for you um a little bit of both probably more of the latter Sur- survive in advance has been my mentality really <laughs> since day one but uh no i mean i definitely designed the first store to be as simple as possible not you know i thought that my biggest, you know, in the back, the background I had in the sub industry, I, I tried to make it simple, like a, like a sub concept because I did, I always wanted to have the mentality of growth and scaling it. Um, so I wanted to be very simple, but the cool thing about pizza and the way we do pizza is one, it hadn't been done that way before we, we invented kind of the, what's called fast casual pizza. Um, we were the first brand to do it. Um, but then also just the idea of how pizza can be done really high quality at a price point that, you know, a lot of people can afford. And, you know, I didn't know going in that the recession was coming, but luckily, you know, a fast casual concept in the recession had a much better shot at survival than if I had come out with a fine dining, you know, white tablecloth brick oven pizza concept. So I kind of, I think I got lucky to some degree of timing. Um, most people would say you opened in 2008. That wasn't lucky, but, um, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and to me, I was just trying to make a great pizza, try and give a great experience and uh, let let the rest take care of itself. But um, as far as, uh, as growth was concerned, I did always want to franchise it. So I did make it simple. I did have systems in place on day one, but that first night you open up and and something breaks, you can throw the (laughs) systems out the window. You just got to figure it out. Um, So that the early days were a lot of just me, you know, working, you know, open to close um, until one day I basically handed a key to a guy and said, I can't be here anymore. You're closing. (laughs) And he's like, all right, how do I close? I'm like, you know how to close. Don't call me. (laughs) So, Drew, when you started out then, all right, you're a teenager, you're working for a franchise um, or for for a franchisee, and you get that thing inside of you that's like, huh, one day I think I want to be in the restaurant business. Somewhere along the line, you're like, I think I want to – was your mindset on you wanted to own your own franchise, like I said, and being a franchisee, or that as a teenager that you wanted to start your own franchise? Yeah, no, I, I wanted to, like, start a franchise. I – I never considered buying into a franchise. Um, I did. I did want to work for a, a handful, you know, prior to opening my own kind of franchise model. So I did that. I just worked for as many people as would hire me, and I could learn from. Um, in that regard, I, I did get kind of lucky. As my first job out of college was to help develop a brand for a franchise company, and then I got to run it. Um, so that was kind of a real good grad school experience, I would say, real life grad school. Um, but until, as you guys know, until you actually like go out to open your own business, like there's there's just so much you don't know. Um, but the cool thing about being an entrepreneur is you just you gotta you figure it out. You hit a roadblock and you figure out a way to to, to solve it. So it's interesting. So you knew you wanted to start a franchise, and and I'm assuming in the restaurant business because that's what you'd known. So what we see a lot is funny is that people will come and they have the original like business idea. So they want to start, let's call it a cleaning business. And then they want to franchise their cleaning business. 
but the f- starting block is that they want to they want to own a cleaning or start a cleaning. But it's not like they're saying I want to start a franchise and I'm going to choose cleaning. Yeah, I want to start a business. And then they're just you know kind of daydreaming about the franchise piece. So it's interesting to me that you in your teenage years are like I want to start my own restaurant franchise. So that being said, did you go to UGA? I did. Yes. All right. I want to know with that dream in your heart and in your mind, what did you choose to study at UGA? Because most people come, they have no idea what they want to do with their with their lives. Were you just get a general business degree or what? Were you yeah. Doing? So, yeah, I, did. I, I was a marketing major, but when I when I came as a freshman, um, Terry wasn't yet um, making you apply to business school. It was just kind of you get in. That being said, my first year they changed that rule and said now you got to apply to get in. So. I wouldn't say I was the best student at UGA, but um, so I'm scrambling, trying to get into Terry because I knew I wanted to be in business school. And um, I did luckily get in, but um, I had a few different avenues I, I would have gone. But I would say today UGA has gotten a lot more robust in terms of their entrepreneurial program that they have now. Um, some of the things that the tools that they have for people that have these aspirations of, of starting a business or, or being an entrepreneur. Back then, you know, general business was kind of what you did, and there wasn't a lot of that, those classes, I guess, when I was there in 01 to 05. I agree there. And I was a year or maybe two years uh, ahead of you there because I, I I just slipped in before you had to apply or like to come <laughs> in. So, so I came in, I was under something random because I, I was like, what, what can I – Put on my application to get in UGA. That's step one. Now that I'm here, let me figure out what I want to do. And and then I'm like, okay, if I go into the business, if I go to Terry, I don't have to do a foreign language or a chemistry. I was like, done. I'm going to <laughs> put me in Terry. And then right after I got into Terry is when they passed the yeah to apply and you had to declare majors. But uh, but I, I agree with you. I spent um, I guess three years in the accounting program there and never sat in front of a computer, never learned a whole lot about entrepreneur business. It was all very uh, strategic, uh, work in Atlanta, go be an employee um, type of education. So exactly. Yeah. So last person we interviewed, Drew, it's funny because he talked about he was in college, his family had leveraged a lot for him to be in college. And he went to the to the library and he got a copy of rich dad poor dad of which he still had he never returned but then he like dropped out of college and started really? his own business so my question for you is knowing going into college you already knew that you wanted to start your own business you may not have had all the plans set yet but did yeah. you feel like that college were you able to take the information education that you got from college and really apply any of it or was it just theory that didn't kind of uh hold water in the end when you really did launch your pie launch your own business no, it was it was extremely valuable. I mean, I I I think knowing what I wanted to do helped in that regard. I think if I was just kind of going to class without kind of that, how is this? How can this apply to me launching a business? That that would be different. But because I always had that lens, I did take a lot of things from. Obviously, all a lot of my classes are are all my classes. Um, you know, with with the marketing major, the reason we built kind of this different way of doing pizza was a lot of those concepts you learn about um, creating a niche within an industry don't try and you know compete with everybody so uh, I didn't 
I don't want to go out and compete with Papa John's pizza on delivery. So we never had the, you know, the vision at that, at that stage, anyway, of being a better delivery service, it was more, how can we be different? Um, then obviously the network you get in, in college was just, so I, I, I would say that I want to trade that experience for like starting earlier in business. I think that I, I definitely learned a lot. So, so at this time, were you vocal with your planning, your dream? And if so, did people think you were crazy? They're like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving here going to work for this firm in Atlanta. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to start my own business and uh, franchise and have um, 75 locations in 18 states. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, back then I was um, very confident in like what I wanted to do. And, you know, everybody was telling me, you know, teachers, friends, family, opening a restaurant is the dumbest thing you could do. Like it's a 99.9% failure rate. Why, why do you want to fail? <laughs> and that actually gave me like, that drove me more. You know, when somebody tells me I can't do something that really makes me want to prove them wrong, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it was at the time, you know, a very risky endeavor, but my mentality was, look, I've got experience doing this. Um, I don't have any overhead. I didn't have kids yet. Um, so I thought it was a good time to just put all my, I guess, chips in. And, uh, I figured if I failed, um, I could always go fall back on my college degree and, and go do something else. So you, when you launched your first location, so you said you got relying on financing again, it was a crazy time to get financing anywhere, but when you're 23, 24 years old and no business experience, it's gonna be difficult to get traditional financing anyway. But your first store in the Athens area, which which was your first location? The Alps uh, Beachwood location. All right, so your Beachwood. How long? Go two questions for you, Drew. How long were you working your job at UGA when you're launching your pie before you quit to go all in? And then if you can kind of give us maybe the first couple of years of hey, this is how long I had one location before I opened the second and the third, and kind of walk us through the the expansion process. Sure. So uh, when we moved back to Athens in, I guess, August of 07, I started working for UGA. And uh, that the, the cool thing about the UGA experience was I worked, I was a manager for the dining uh, hall, uh, Bolton, if anybody remembers that from their college years, I guess. Uh, but I was a, in the restaurant industry, the hours are typically you know, inconsistent at best. Um, we're open seven days a week, long hours, nights, weekends. Um, UGA, I could have like a, you know, 45 hour work week that I knew what it was every week. So my schedule there was, um, from noon till, till close essentially. So like I'd get in at 12 and be out of there about nine or 10 at night. So I'd get up about 6am and work on your pie from like 6am till noon then going to work. And then I had Fridays off and I would work on your pie on those Fridays. And then, uh, I take Saturdays off to watch, um, Georgia football or, or have a day off. Um, so anyway, I, I did that until about, uh, February of, of 2008 and I opened up in April of 08. So I kind of gave myself two months of just a hundred percent focus on getting your pie launched. Um, that's, you know, I had the lease signed. I had, um, I was doing build out and I was trying to really get the brand launch, you know, out there. So, um, and then, yeah, for that first store, I did have to borrow money from family. Um, 
we were able to take that the uh, P and L from the the first store and then go back to that same bank that that laughed at me and open up the second location uh, with traditional you know bank financing. Uh, that was in two thousand late two thousand nine, I believe. Uh, that we opened the second location, and then I actually started franchising at that time. the the The, the reason I was able to franchise so quickly uh, was I did know going in I wanted to be a franchise, so I did a few things before I opened that first location. Um, two things you have to have to to be a franchise model is you have to have a trademark like brand. Um, so I, I registered my my logo um, really prior to opening um and you have to have you know business to actually get the trademark but i, I was very early on in that process i also um yourpie.com was not available um back then uh, somebody owned it so i bought it from them for 500 dollars, and uh i wasn't going to because i said that's crazy i'm not going to buy that for 500 dollars. but uh my dad convinced me that you should probably just do it you know <laughs> So thanks to him for that piece of advice because um, it would have gotten more expensive once we were a real thing. And then uh, the other thing is just having a, you asked about ops manuals, things like that. You have to have a, an ops manual um, for, uh, for franchising. So I, I kind of had those things early on. So when people would come up and ask, is this a franchise model? I would just sit, I would kind of just lie and say, yes, we are, <laughs> you know, how many locations? Well, this is it. So that's how we started growing in the beginning. It was literally people coming in, having a, a good experience and saying, Hey, I think, I think you should, I'm going to give your information to like my friend in Savannah, for example, one of the earliest franchise owners was kind of a friend of a friend that um, thought that the concept would work well in Savannah and kind of connected us. So that's kind of how we started in the beginning. I went more traditional to open up my second location, company location. And then basically I had to, if I wanted to grow kind of at the pace I wanted to grow, the franchise model was how I I knew I had to do it, one. But two, I love the franchise model. Just with, I, I truly believe in local ownership and I, I believe the closer you are to your team and to your guests and, the, and how tied in you are with the local community, um, that goes a lot further than, um, you know, the brand itself. So that's why I've always believed in local ownership and, and the franchise model. I don't know if I answered your question, but. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's perfect. Uh, in those early days of starting to ripple out and in, into the other communities and the additional stores, did you have to front in, hire a bunch of operating, uh, entity staff uh, to be able to support that? Or was this something that was able to, to grow uh, organically, internally and externally? Yeah, that's a good question. Because a lot of people, I, I talk to people a lot about the franchising, because to your point, everybody wants to franchise, or not everybody, but a lot of people want to franchise their, their business. And one, one thing that you got to understand is that a pizza restaurant is a completely different business model than a franchise company. And to your point, the franchise company has to have a staff and has to have a function. And then the, the pizza store has, um, you know, a function and a staff and it. They're really almost completely different business models. Um, 
and you can replace that with any any business you know there's the uh, the the two kind of sides of the coin so to answer your question on the early days that we were we were bootstrapping i mean it was it was um the initial staff of like the beachwood and <clears throat> five points location were the ones that were going out to the first stores and doing the training with me and we'd kind of we'd all get in a car we'd drive down there and we'd train their their team and we'd we'd hang out and then we'd come back to athens and keep running our store in athens so it's very uh you know bootstrap from from that regard i did uh bring on a a uh, a family friend consultant early on with to help with the franchising um so i kind of went that route uh early on with um just to make sure i wasn't missing anything on the franchising side but in terms of the support team the early days was very um just the group within the four walls of the restaurant helping me out so did you just have a team drew of people that believed in your vision kind of saw what you're trying to do and thought like oh this is this is a cool thing to be a part of i mean because like you're saying to get people to like hey you're working this restaurant here but we're going to go launch another one over here that this you know franchisees purchasing and getting started like what was it that allowed you to get buy-in from your team to kind of put in that i know it was probably a crazy amount of effort people had to work how'd you get that buy-in well i think that um we were trying to create a different type of experience for everybody so we were all i would say back then you know i'm 24 i'm like just one of the the guys you know or the you know we just it was kind of just this this fun like tight-knit group that we all just we worked and we hung out you know um so from that regard and talking about 2008 um i was hiring uga grads for minimum wage because there was no other jobs so (laughs) it was actually when you look at like today's environment with the work workforce where it's you know really challenging to find um team back then i was i was very blessed that people that were smarter than me wanted to come work you know alongside me and um figure this thing out and so yeah it was it was very um you know just having fun make making a good product and had a vision that you know back then um like I said, I was very confident, maybe cocky in how we wanted to grow this thing and make it this this brand that um, you know would attract a lot of great people. So I would say that timing was a little bit a function of it, but I would like to think that um, the early adopters are always, you know, the crazy ones, so to speak. So, <laughs> so your third location then for your pie was a franchise. Yes, and where was that in Athens as well? Our first franchise location um, was Charleston, South Carolina. Oh man, okay. Yeah. So and, talk, talk about that a little bit, because so you're going from you got a business model that you know works in Athens, Georgia, and your first franchise location is what six hours away. So how were you able to support that team that distance? Because it's not like you could just get in your car and drive there and you know bail them out in case of emergency, but. How'd that work out for? You? I'm sure that was also a huge blessing that it was far apart like that because it prevented you from being able to do some of that probably support stuff. But yeah, t- talk to us about how that works. Little disclaimer here is like we want to start a cleaning company in Charleston. Me and Chad, we co-own a cleaning company, and like that's one of the things we want to do. So it's like you're consulting for free. Do not send us an invoice. We will not pay it, <laughs> but we want your help, man. 
Well, yeah, no, Charleston's an incredible place. Um, so I, I had no problem driving, driving to Charleston, um, to hang out and, and make pizza and then also sneak away to the beach. Um, but no, I mean, it was, I, I got, I guess, lucky that the first franchise owner was a very well seasoned, uh, franchise operator. He owned, um, I think 10 Mo's. Um, he was the the Charleston Mo's operator and he was kind of looking for another brand um, and a similar kind of model. And it just kind of the stars aligned where he had this location. He wanted to do a Mo's. Mo's wouldn't let him do it because it was too close to another Mo's. Um, so he was looking for something else. And um, we just, we we got along really well at the beginning and we kind of had this understanding like, I don't know what I'm doing, um, but let's just figure this out together. So he was very helpful with just kind of being a seasoned operator, you know, kind of made us grow up pretty quickly. You know, why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? Or what What about this? What about that? So he did help us, I guess, as much or more as, as we helped him, I'd say, in that regard, um, kind of growing up as a as a company early on. Man, that's so interesting. So the first guy, <laughs> the first guy that buys a franchise, owns ten other, ten other units from a different franchise. That is uh, serendipitous that you have somebody that that knows what they should be expecting. I'm sure that helped you with creating your model from like what support systems you need to have in place for your, for yeah. your next franchisee. And we we today still get um, very seasoned operators that have other brands that really help us come along in terms of. Um, what are we doing right? What what are things should we be considering to help support our system better? So we we truly rely on our franchise owners to help us grow um, day in and day out. Because like I said earlier, they're they're closer to the team, they're closer to the the guests. So um, they've got great ideas. You know, we've got to balance that with is this something that everybody can can accomplish? But um, we we certainly believe we grow better. You know faster by sharing in that i guess intelligence and that that um grit so so i know for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners uh, even with a small business when you're when you're starting to just scale customers or or any growth at all really the biggest struggle i see from an owner entrepreneur is they get too caught up in the weeds of being inside of the business to be able to help scale it and grow it and hire and culture and focus on the next steps. How are you with such courage and uh, vision and confidence of knowing you wanted to franchise and be big? How are you able to stay out of the day to day and out of the weeds and just stay back on that 30,000 foot view to, to be able to make it happen, man? Well, I still, I still like getting in the weeds to some degree. I, I get in there and make pizza, but um, I I had to kind of force myself out uh, because we already had sold, I think, three or four franchises. And I knew that if I had kind of been in the weeds, I couldn't support them. And that that's always been my biggest fear is not, not supporting our franchise owners kind of the right way. Um, and that, so we've invested in that, you know, um, time and time again i would say though that you know when i when i did grow to that second location i might have 
at that time been making a mistake. I, in hindsight, maybe I should have focused on making the existing location more efficient, you know, um, grow that, that first location. And instead of growing, you know, I grew to that second location kind of strategically, maybe earlier than I was planning on because of um, kind of maybe another podcast, we can talk about that, the why behind that. <laughs> but um, Anyway, I, I would say that you do have to get out of the weeds to your point, you know, reading the E-Myth is, is something that I um, have read a handful of times and kind of use that mentality as, as, as we've grown of, you know, you've got to work on the business, not in the business, but I still get it. You know, it's hard to do that. I'm still in the business day in and day out. You know, I'm still doing things that you would think, uh, you know, 13 years in, I, I wouldn't be doing, but that's just my, my mentality. Do you ever get caught up between the, I need to support my franchisees, but I need to also focus on my Athens store because it's got to function well to sell more franchises. Was it, was it constantly a pull back and forth or were you able to, okay, I'm going to always go to the franchisee side and, and, and put my attention there. Yeah. I would, I would say I've, I've always put that first, the supporting the franchise owner first, um, probably at the detriment of my, you know, Athens stores. And I, I, you know, to be candid, I opened up too many stores too fast in Athens, too close together. And it was from a personal, you know, financial standpoint, wasn't the, uh, the best move. Um, so we, we, because of that experience though, we are very, um, hesitant to let people open up stores too close together, um, and, you know, cannibalize each other because of that experience that I, you know, did to myself. So I think, the good thing is, is we we try and learn from our mistakes and um and make make the system better for it. But yeah, I I always put the franchise owner lens first uh, when we're when we're thinking about things. That's that's really cool from uh, to hear from a success story of where you're at with so many stores and such rapid growth is it's still that entrepreneur business owner struggle of failing sometimes and learning from that. And being able to use that to, to grow successes, not only for you, but for other people. I, I think that's really important for our audience to understand is at a small level or a big level, you're always faced with those successes and failures and learning from those experiences. And I think that's really cool, man. Sure. So, Drew, you were starting stores that were your stores at the same time that you're offering franchise opportunity. Um, so, could you just kind of draw out how that played out too. So you had the store in Charleston. Uh, where did your other franchise locations pop up? Like, was it more so driven by if someone expressed interest or was it you were looking in certain areas? So did you start looking around Charleston to find more franchise owners or were you just like, if somebody came and said they wanted one, you would explore the opportunity with them? Yeah, but in the early years, it was all about people coming to us. And if, and even today, we follow the people. We don't necessarily have a. We're only growing in X Y Z market. You know, if a if a if a person comes to us, it's the right fit culturally, and we think it's going to be a great, you know, leader in their community and and has that kind of grit that we know it takes to to run a restaurant. We kind of follow that person to their local community, and that's hard to do in in our model because in the restaurant industry, supply chain is such a critical 
key to our success and making sure that we can get them the right right food at the right time um but anyway uh we've always kind of followed the people so yeah when that i opened up two stores myself um kind of early on and then started franchising from there that the third store in athens that downtown store you referenced earlier was actually a franchise location in the beginning um and uh we uh fr- we started franchising. I think Watkinsville was an early franchise location. Uh, Savannah, uh, Roswell, Georgia. So kind of starting these smaller mid kind of mid market um, locations. That still continues to be really our focus is um, kind of these more regional um, smaller markets where we can really be you know enhancing the community that we serve and. We, we kind of went into Atlanta, you know, wanted to be kind of in that big, dense urban area and, and found that, you know, it's great, but, you know, rent's higher. Uh, staffing is harder to, to get handle on. Um, you've got a lot more competition. So we've kind of settled into, we still will play in those areas, but our focus is more on the kind of more smaller, smaller towns or suburban towns. I saw on the on your timeline, it looked like around five years in, there was a, a time when you somewhat reinvented the brand and focused more on team member and customer experiences. What was that a big change, or was that something that you saw uh, something that needed to pivot a little bit for the company? What what happened there? Yeah, well, we you know I mentioned earlier we were the first kind of to do fast casual pizza, so. Um, we, we grew early on with just that organic growth I was talking about, and we're growing pretty fast for the kind of support we had behind us, so to speak, and that we weren't going out and marketing the brand. Like it was all just people finding us friends of friends, et cetera. Um, but in 2010, I started seeing other people kind of do what we were doing. Other brands started popping up in 2012. It literally every day I was getting an email, you know, so-and-so is opening this brand and inventing this new way that to do pizza. I'm like, we've been doing that five years, <laughs> but you know, I, I kind of got to where I was like, look, if we're going to be leaders in the category, if we're going to support our franchisees that already kind of have been early adopters, we got to um, kind of put more into the brand and kind of, I want to call it a complete reinvention, but we did, we invested a lot of money and time and energy into getting better uh, operationally. Um, how do we get faster? How do we make the team experience better? How And in doing so, make the guest experience a better one. How do we elevate the look and feel of the restaurant, um, get, get better at the marketing, et cetera. So we kind of just did a, a real big investment and in, back into ourselves and at that time. Um, uh, and we called that 3.0. Um, and that was, that was the biggest bet kind of that, that I made at the time, um, for the brand. And it, it did, um, I guess bear fruit. We were able to, our next round of stores that opened, um, opened up a lot, a lot more higher volumes because we were given a better experience faster. We kind of converted old, old model to the new model and, have just kind of continued to get a little bit better um, every day. 
And so that, that happened at that time. Awesome. Did you, with this investment, was this in consultants or was this in, um, how, how are you able to drive what direction to go in from where you were currently at? Yeah, no, I sold, uh, I sold a chunk of the business in 2013 to two different groups. Um, one, and I did that for the people as much as the money. I mean, I needed money, but I wanted the, the, the intellectual capital, um, and we brought in, to your point, we brought in some real seasoned um, franchise, you know, talent, I guess, that could help us grow the right way. I, the, the group that I sold some equity to um, was just real, real heavy hitters in the industry and had a lot of great connections and strategies for how to grow and scale the right way. Um, so we, we did that really, like I said, a big bet to kind of just put it back into the the brand at that time. Nice. Any regrets there at all? Or is that the best decision made along the way? You know, it's people ask me that a lot because, um, you know, everybody, I think every founder has a different kind of viewpoint of how, when they want to sell, but, or if they want to pass it down to their kids or, you know, there's just different ways you can kind of dreams, visions you can have about that. My mentality at the time was, look, I want to, I want to bring in some people that can help this thing grow the right way. Um, it did change it. I would say that it went from being kind of Drew's kind of gig to like more of a grown up operation, I'd say. So it, it just changed kind of the, the feel a little bit. Um, but no, I don't regret it. I'm, I think it was the right thing to do for the brand at the time. And uh, it certainly allowed us to grow. Um, you know, a little bit better and, and faster maybe. Um, but yeah, now it's all about like, look, how can we, how can we go into communities and, and be kind of celebrated that we're coming in, be that, Oh, sweet. Your pie's coming to my, my town because we built this reputation of like doing great things for those communities. So we're not the biggest brand at all at, at this point in terms of fast, casual pizza. And, um, but that's our mentality is just to really be the best and, and, and do that. And if the growth comes or when the growth comes, it'll come. Man, that's interesting, Drew. <clears throat> I'd like to know as far as in, so at that point, you started your first store April 2008. You'd been working on the business before then, but first store is April 2008. 2013, you sell some of the equity. What did the business look like at that point? As far as how many stores did you have in operation when you brought in partners? I think we had... We had 14 or 21 locations open. And and I say this because it was like, I think we had 14 open and 21 kind of sold. Um, or it was 21 open and 14 sold, you know, in terms of like in development. Um, but it, we were at that kind of teenage, you know, we had in the teens, I think, uh, maybe 17 locations. Um, and then we, you know, we're working on opening stores at that same time. So it wasn't like we were just had those stores and weren't developing others. Um, but we spent the better part of a year kind of developing this, what, what I call a 3.0 model. Um, and then launched a company store with that model first, and then uh, started using that model as we continued to open up stores beyond that. But um, we did experience our biggest growth, I'd say kind of, a year or two after, like in twenty, 
you know, 15, 16, 17, I think we were open like 15 or 20 stores a year. So did you go out looking for partners to help you get to the next level or did these partners find you? Like how, how that happened? Me and Chad ended up partnering up like kind of casually over lunch one day with a handshake. Cause we we're like backwoods Georgia boys, but were you like, Hey, I need to find somebody to help me get to the next level. Or were somebody just noticed like, Hey, this Sherpa thing looks legit. This is a business we can invest in. Yeah. I, I would say that the fast casual pizza became a really hot model in the restaurant space. It was, you know, we were getting a lot of press. These other brands that were coming out were getting a lot of press because it was really the fastest growing um, space for about three years in the in the restaurant industry as a whole. So I wasn't really thinking that, but I got approached by different groups um, asking kind of what am I up to? What it, What's your vision? Do you have any interest in us helping you grow kind of thing? And that's that's really how it started. I got approached and just started thinking about it. And and decided it was the right thing for the brand. So from your vision perspective, you had in the beginning, you were going to start a franchise on a restaurant concept. The, and I'm, you know, as you go, it's like walk a mile, see a mile. So the further you go down the road, you can start seeing ways to get to where you want to go. But did it alter for you, Drew, like the, your purpose or vision, or is this just, you know, Hey, I'm climbing the rock wall. This is the next thing I need to grab. Like, do you feel like, did you feel like at that point in time, this is the right move for, for me to make for this organization to like get to what our vision and mission is faster? Or did you have to kind of pivot at that point in time and say like, Hey, this, the path I set out on originally, like there's a little bit of a roadblock. So I'm going to alter things slightly and go this direction instead, which, which one of those was it? Was it just like, Hey, this is helping us get over the obstacles or was it a change of direction a little bit? You know, it wasn't a change in direction that from day one, I think I wrote my mission statement. Um, and, the first year I was open when I had one location and it, it was to be a globally admired brand by creating a culture that improves the lives of the Oropi family. And so from really from day one, I had this dream of like being the best brand in the world that like everybody wanted to model their business after. Um, and I, and at the time I thought that meant you got to be kind of be a big brand, you know, like nobody looks at this, you know, one store, uh, restaurant in Athens, Georgia. Like in hindsight, you can be a one restaurant, you know, in a city and be, you know, just the, an incredible business and do such incredible things. But I would say that it wasn't about growth or wanting to be the biggest or the best. It was just, I thought it's what we needed to do to support the system at that time. Um, because I felt like we weren't giving our franchise owners everything we could give them and needed to give them to be. Um, be as successful as we could be. One thing I've seen uh, just from watching you on social media and watching your experiences with your family, not only have you been able to grow and scale and franchise way faster than, than most anybody else can imagine, you've been able to keep a balance between family experiences and and time doing other things and traveling and exercising. Is that something that was part of the plan in the beginning or did you have to pivot there and figure out, okay, personally, I got to look after Drew and, and my side of things as well as the big vision and plan for the company. Yeah. I would say that that was a pivot. <laughs> we, uh, when Natalie and I got married and started 
you know, your pie and, and vet school, we both kind of had our own thing to some degree that was, you know, all in all consuming. So I didn't have to worry about, Hey honey, I'll be home late today. Like it was literally just like, I know you're going to be at your pie. If I want to see you, I'll come to your pie. And I was like, I know you're going to be at vet school or studying. So if I want to see you, I'll come see you there. So early on, it didn't really matter. Like we just were both so in the weeds, like you said, um, putting our head, you know, down and just, just all work. Um, we had fun too, you know, um, but as we started to have a family, um, that was a big shift because your pie was growing um, the fastest it had grown. I was traveling, you know, 20 days a week, 20 days a month, maybe more, you know, either doing store openings or store visits, um, things like that. Um, and I had a, you know, a newborn at home. And so we had to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and kind of decide, you know, um, what what is this, you know, are we going to be all working no family or, you know, that kind of thing. So we, that was, that was a decision point in selling part of the business at that time was I had a, a newborn at home and I just, you know, wanted, wanted support outside of, you know, supporting the franchise. And I was like, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted help. So, um, but that being said, I, I would say that your pie was still kind of, you know, for me all encompassing, I would say that um, Natalie and our kids maybe took, more of a back seat than they should have. But then at, at some point I just decided, look, I got to take care of myself and, and be a better husband, be a better father. And if I do that, I think your pie will be better off for it. Cause I was just in a spot, you know, to be candid, I was in a, a spot where I was not healthy. I was putting, you know, all this time into just work and nothing physical nothing with, you know, friends and family. So yeah, I, I did have to basically draw a line in the sand and just um, force myself to have more of a balance. Yeah, I think that's awesome advice for all of our listeners out there because I know all three of us on this call has been there in our business and, and in our entrepreneurial journey is uh, it gets to the point where you're all business and other things start getting neglected. And, and what's crazy is it sounds like the same experience for you the more you take care of yourself or the more time you can pull away, the better you are on the time you are spending in your business. And, and somehow you become more successful in the process. It's, it's the craziest thing ever. Yeah. I learned you can be a lot more efficient and, and impactful if you are taking care of yourself. than if you're putting in 12 hour days and just kind of, you know, you don't know what you even got done, but you work 12 hours, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's easy to get caught up too in the, uh, we, you know, we've all heard the term, the tyranny of the urgent, but you get so laser focused and again, in the weeds, we use that term, but on like the things of today that we can like let our emotional health, our spiritual health, our physical health, um, our relational health, take a back seat. And if we do that for too long, we end up like you're working, but it's like, you don't even care about the work anymore. You know, it's like lost. It's the joy that it originally brought because you're building something awesome the cost for that sometimes can get so high that you're like, you're just not being the person that, that you're capable of being. And the, I, I love this quote that says that when the leader gets better, everybody gets better. It's so easy for us to get so overworked and again, so laser focused. But when it comes down to it, if we can pull back as the leaders of our organizations and let ourselves get healthy, then we can have a much higher impact. We can be more effective. We can be more efficient. We're like, we're just, 
we're, we're creating a culture of health in our organization. Uh, people are going to follow the leader, you know? So if we're unhealthy as leaders, then it's going to start to trickle down into our organization. So kudos for you, man, for figuring out that you aren't where you wanted to be uh, from a, from a health all around health perspective and then doing what it takes to address that, acknowledge it, fix it. And then it's cool too for us is we're, you know, we've all been around each other for years, but seeing how your organization has grown drew, it's just, you do got a fantastic culture, a uh, fantastic brand. I'm there every week. I'm so glad you guys have that location over in Monroe. Um, I have a daughter that is lactose intolerant. She's got all these other allergy issues, but she can eat a pizza from your pie brother. And so uh, you've made my, our lives better on our side. Kind of wrapping up, man. I want to ask you this question for if you can go back and you can talk to that, you know, early twenties version of Drew French that's listening to this podcast right now. And they, they really do. They have that dream in their heart of like, they don't just want to start a company and they're like legitimately serious about this. Like not, I got an idea and I want to franchise this idea. What kind of just quick advice or counsel could you give them that you would help them level up faster? Sure. I, I always tell everybody, like, I guess college kids, when they're saying, I want to, you know, open my own business, I tell everyone, go work in that business for somebody else. Like, first, make make sure you actually enjoy the work. Make sure you you learn from others while getting, even if you don't get paid, like, that's invaluable. Like, a lot of people, I think, say, oh, I want to open a business, and I think this is a cool idea. But then they get into it, and they're like, I don't even like this, you know? So. You gotta you gotta be super passionate about what you're doing because you think everybody's gonna care about your business and everybody's gonna want what you're selling, but nobody actually cares. You know, <laughs> like you're you're the only one that cares, and you gotta just be willing to put in you know 24/7-365 for it not to fail. Because if you don't, um, it's likely gonna fail pretty early on. Um, that that's how I had to do it. I I had to be you know, all in, um, to get it launched and off the ground. And, you know, now I could probably do something different having known what I know now, but at that time I just didn't have the experience. Um, so that's, I just had to be all hands on deck, but I would say that those are the two things, just the no quit mentality, be willing, you know, know that nobody else is going to care and you got to, it's all on you. But then, um, you know, if you can work for somebody else doing it, so you, make sure you you like it and, and learn a little bit at, at the same time yeah man it's not not only is it like you're, you're infatuated with this idea right you're like you're passionate about it not only does nobody care about your idea they think your idea is stupid <laughs> like everybody's like dude you need to go get a job like what are you thinking you're starting a franchise i had a buddy of mine in college and he was a teacher ed major and like so he went through all this you know he's in year four he goes and does his student teaching and he's like I hate this. This sucks. He's a he's a twenty year veteran of the fire department now. You know he got his teacher his teacher degree. And he realized four years into it they hated kids. I was like, you should have figured that out as a freshman, bro. But it is funny, man. I think what you said there, Drew, is it's the testament of why most businesses do fail and fail pretty early on. Is that um, there is no glory in the beginning. There's failure. Uh, there's embarrassment. You 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 make stupid mistakes. Most of us do anyway. And you just, there's no saving face. The, the saving face happens like years later when you haven't quit, when you refuse to lose and you started, you start to win, you start to pick up a little steam. So again, man, it's so awesome to see what you've done, what you've built, um, how you've stayed true to yourself in the process. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like you made the corrections you needed to make to build what you set out to build. 
And even though it probably doesn't look exactly like you thought it looked like from the beginning, you still built an amazing company, amazing brand, amazing culture that truly is helping serve people like me. Like really, man, like it, it, it's make your, your company being there makes a difference in my, my family's life every single week. And so I'm appreciative of what you do. Chad, wrap us up, man. You got a final question for Drew? Uh, yeah, man. Just final question is what's the future hold for Drew and for your pie, man? Where, where do you go from here and, and what does it look like for you moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm super excited where we're at today. I mean, I think the the last year's been or 18 months, however long that one of the most challenging, uh, if not the most challenging at times to own a business with just the unknown factor. Um how to how to navigate the unknown how to navigate just the health of your team the health of your your guests like i mean it's just such a crazy experience that, that we all had to go through um but i'm i'm super proud of how all our owners and our teams responded and kind of fought through the last year and now the the, the businesses that did kind of fight through and made it made it through to the other side are starting to see um kind of the the fruits of their labor start to bear here. So we're, um, as, as a system, your pie is up right now, even pre COVID times, which is exciting. The, the franchise sales engine is kind of fired back on, which is exciting. We've got a lot of new ideas for how to kind of reinvent the brand. We're, we're working on 5.0 right now, um, to kind of a, you know, the next level of, of your pie. So, it's exciting times for us um, just to continue to get better and, and try and um, keep this thing going and uh, take it to greater heights. Man, that's, that's awesome to hear. And, and looking back at that teenage Drew working at the sub shop, I know that you dream big and you had a vision and wanted to, to start a franchise did you ever dream it was going to be 75 locations in 18 different states? Did, did your dream get that far? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I tell people back then, my, my dream was to have, I think, I think I wanted 20,000 your pies because, like, I didn't want to be quite as big as McDonald's. But uh, I thought we could be, you know, smaller than McDonald's, but still do some great things. And I was going to buy the NFL. and. Uh, and do some other things, but now, I love it. now I'll settle for an NFL team because they've gotten a lot more expensive in the last few years. But um, now, I, I, like I said, I was a young, you know, dumb kid with a lot of big ideas. Um, so we, we got to keep keep going, but do it the right way. Well, <laughs> well man, I, I am looking forward to sitting in that owner's box uh, for that NFL team whenever that time <laughs> comes, man. That's not a bad place to settle. We'll, we'll be man. in wheelchairs by then, but it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, man, well, I'll host another event. I'll be like, this is going to be the Young Professional Network event of the century. You know, we'll roll in our wheelchairs. And Drew will be the speaker at halftime. It'll be awesome. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Well, man, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Have some awesome content uh, for our audience and our listeners. And for Josh and I, man, just appreciate all you're doing and you willing to take time to, to share with us today. Cool. I appreciate y'all's time and uh, good luck launching in Charleston. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, have a great day and uh, we look forward to watching you continue to grow. All right. Thanks, guys.
If you're a fan of the Entrepreneur Adventure podcast, we would love to hear about it. You can leave us a review right here on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to the podcast or you can find us on Instagram at The Entrepreneur Adventure. Until next time, thank you for joining us.